Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome down the security rabbit hole to yet another edition of the Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. Raf here, James there. Howdy. Wow, that was that was underwhelming, James. <laughs> James there. I, I was actually going to say something about, you know, I'm really not a fan, but now that we have daylight savings time, that it's dark when I get home from work, but I don't leave for work. <laughs> <laughs> it's dark when I get up. It's dark when I go to bed. Yeah, it's basically winter. That's right. <laughs> All right. Another episode uh, hit and record. And who do we have on but Mr. Alan Alford. Hey, buddy. How are you guys doing? Thanks for taking the time out of your evening and uh, having dinner late to talk to us. <laughs> not a worry. Not a worry at all. I like I like visiting with you guys. Are you uh, are, are you actually working from an office, Alan? Or are you? Uh... Oh no, I'm 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 home and have been for so long. I've forgotten what the outside of my home office looks like. I live in a cave. <laughs> I wake up. The second I wake up, I get coffee, and then bam, I'm working. And I stop when my wife throws things at me. It's uh, she'll she'll stick her head in the door and be like, "Are you going to eat food?" <laughs> be like, "Food? I remember food." <laughs> so yeah, um, I'm, I'm pretty much a cave dweller now. My uh, my home office has a full bathroom, so uh, I'm pretty much, I'm sort of having a kitchen in here. I think I'm all right. I can get food delivered. Ooh. <laughs> so many of us Judging have decided. What we see from a lot of people, everybody's cave, uh, cave dwellers, right? Like no shaving, like, you know, COVID hit and razors fell off the market. Well, we just talked about this uh, before, here, <laughs> before you joined now. Uh, James and I were talking about this uh, uh, before the mic went hot. But uh, <laughs> we were just like, you know, so many people uh late night talk show hosts you know specifically right like as soon as the, you know everybody had to go home they like forgot how to shave and like uh stop you know dre- you know dressing up like they're supp- like you're supposed to as a talk show host and all that and, like what did 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 you not did you, does the person that's like shaves you not come to your house or like wait are you not able to shave your own face like what the hell happened to you so right and uh, it might be a competition is, of who if, could look if you the want worst. to invest wisely if you want to invest wisely right now, find out which factories actually make sweatpants <laughs> and double down. I think Food Loom has got that one cornered, huh? There you go. Man, yeah, sweatpants. Uh, you know what? Nope. Unless I'm actually physically lifting weights, uh, sweatpants are not a thing for me. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm an adult. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to get into that one on this show. That's that's another, <laughs> that's another one I just did. But all right, so – uh, you've been in your cave. Uh, have have the companies you're talking to uh, started thinking about going back to the office? Is everybody still virtual? Almost everyone in my community is still virtual. Just had a CISO meeting today. Uh, CISO I met with before, and we were both grinning about, oh, you're still in your home office. Yep, I'm still in my home office. I'm still in mine. 
um, it seems to be nobody's returning to the office yet in my community. Um, I, I hear rumors of this. I hear some companies have declared they're they're not going to do this work from home thing any longer. And I, I've heard stories in the press, but I've yet to meet anybody who's doing anything other than being a cave dweller. Well, and and as uh, as rumor swirls uh, of potentially more lockdowns due to the uh, impending whatever uh covidiacy out there uh and and the covid madness we should come up with like names for this just people losing their minds over things um rationality is no longer a thing ladies and gentlemen as somebody once pointed you think out we'd be uh, good at this being in the security industry <laughs> we are right. purveyors of the nonsense and bullshit <laughs> uh we are we are experts but uh, yeah but, no, who, like, uh, has anybody created a theme song for covid yet like that where's that been seriously <laughs> a logo? Any? Uh, I guess it has a logo. But you know, we definitely you've seen the 2020 stuff. logo with the lifted finger, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a two zero two zero, but they made one of them extra long, and it looks like you know, looks like the middle uh, finger is extended. Well, the I ultimate mean, logo for 2020. That's uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I, Alan, are you hear what are you hearing about budgets? Or, like, what's what's the what's the general sentiment out there? Let's start there, and we'll go to budgets next. But so, are are, uh, are we tenuous? Are we optimistic? Are we freaking out? Like, I don't know what's going on. It, it depends on the industry and the sector, right? Because I, I talk to people all over the planet, right? And yeah. I've got I've got CISO buddies and, and and folks that I deal with on a regular basis who are in literally every market, every segment, every corner of the earth, and. It really, the story is going to depend on where you are in that context. I think a lot of folks are um, struggling. I think certain market segments are having trouble that, that COVID has already hit them hard. Uh, others are doing airlines just and fine. Airlines and uh, uh, hotels, right? Hospitality, right. restaurants. Retail. Right? Yeah. Retail's taken a hit. Uh, hospitality's taken a hit. Airlines have taken a hit. But then other clients I'm talking to and other customers and other friends and other uh, you know communities and other CISOs, there's plenty of folks that are just chugging and growing. Um, I've seen growth. So I don't know that you can just point to COVID and say, it's killed everything. I, I, I think it's a mixed story. Well, it's, it's, it's definitely forced companies to sort of reimagine. Uh, I hate that phrase. It's the rethink what they, you know, how they do business, right? Because this, this uh, for a long time, we've been holding on to this idea that uh, the brick and mortar, people are still going to go go to a place. And while I really hope for our sake that we stop we don't stop leaving our homes to go shopping and to go you know meet somebody at a bar and go dancing and go to a live concert and go grocery shopping for ourselves like I hope we ne that never stops cuz I, I miss the in-person meetings like you can't even imagine but yeah I, I mean companies that did not have a business strategy that involved uh, digital means of purchase, a contactless, all that delivery, all that, and then that didn't have a work from home strategy, are sort of going, uh oh, <laughs> right? So. Yeah, and it's interesting too, because from a security perspective, from a pure play security perspective, you know, you were either ready for this thing or you weren't. That's that's crazy. You know, that's that's cutoff yeah. point one, and then cutoff point two is if you weren't ready for it, how did you adjust and deal? I, I was just talking to a buddy today. Uh, another security practitioner, I'm not going to name his company, um, but he was lamenting that uh, his his higher ups had decided that, you know, we're just going to go with a pure RDP play and maybe we'll throw some MFA on there. But we don't need VDI. We don't need VPN. We don't need it. You know, just RDP with a little MFA thrown on should be good enough for us. And he was calling me freaking out like, what do I say? How do I convince them this is a bad idea? And I've seen folks doing split tunnel VPN, and I've seen I've seen everything, man. Uh, I've seen I've seen Soho gear sold to enterprises. I've seen, 
you know, just scrambling to get more bandwidth, more accessibility, more concentrators, more you name it, whatever. It's just, it's been the full gamut. But this far along, now that we've had this many, God, it feels like it's been eight years, but I think it's been about six months now. Um, <laughs> everybody who thrashed around for the most part is settled and settled into a strategy. And I think some folks still landed on split tunnel VPN, which is, you know, okay, God bless them. Um, Good luck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And uh, everybody else, it seems like for the most part, has has made whatever adjustments it was. Whatever Soho gear was was temporarily deployed has been replaced with the real stuff. People have expanded, you know, bandwidth and, and paid for more pipe, and you know, just I, I think after the six months, most folks have adjusted. But then I, that RDP story landed in my lap today, and I was just like, wow, okay, okay. Well, I, I sort of wonder because I, I, I'm having similar conversations, and some a lot of uh, the ones I'm hearing. Uh, obviously, from a cloud company perspective, is that there is a lot of pullback. There's a lot of uh, we got to find a place to save money because we got we need we need to gear up, and none of this was in the budget for for this year, so we got to cut stuff. And uh, it, it's it's strange to watch the shuffle of the possible versus the need, right? Like we we need to make sure people can still work. But we haven't bought them all laptops. Now what? Okay, well, they can just use their own. I'm like, and you sort of go, I mean, if that's the only alternative to, to closing your doors, then okay. But if you can't go to the office, you can't deploy new gear. Right. And if you can't deploy new gear, then you're stuck with what you've got, which means you have to deploy software. Software doesn't always – I mean, we'd like to make sure you know, software is going to solve everything. But software does, alone – without a refresh or if you don't have your corporate laptop or whatever, doesn't solve the problem. Uh, and in fact, I think a lot of the issues now are, are getting mangled with uh, the educate from home problem too, where right. look, not everybody has a, a laptop for their kid, a laptop for them, a laptop or, you know, a computer for everybody in the family. Right. I mean, I think we, we overestimate how prevalent that, you know the mobile technology is although apple would have you believe that everybody's got an ipad that they're at their disposal i, I simply don't see that as a thing yeah uh, so yeah it gets interesting and i think crafting a byo strategy after everyone's scattered to the four winds and after you know it's like <laughs> we need a different uh abbreviation besides byo it needs to be something like dyo desperate <laughs> right yeah, desperate. <laughs> you know, there's well, this there's some kind of, you know, you have to you have to plan this up. BYO is absolutely tenable, absolutely viable, can be absolutely secured and done right, but it's not something you craft on the fly after the fact uh, as a real quick like, oh, well, there's nothing else we can do. Let's just do BYO. That's that's not the position you want to be starting that policy from. Well, and from an employee standpoint, right? I mean, last thing you want is the organization is not ready for it to say, hey, you need to work from home and you need to use your own device. You start using your own device, and then they come along and say, oh, hey, by the way, we're installing MDM software on there, right. and we can wipe your device if we want. Like, all of a sudden, your device became their device, you know, right. and that separation now becomes a really big problem. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. You know, kind of trying to handle that after the fact, whereas a user, I had no choice, right? Like, it was either I use my computer or I don't have a job. Right. <laughs> but, you know, how do I go, right? Like, that makes it really difficult as well. Right, right. And there's there's technology compromises that can be done there, but again, I don't think it's something you can deploy or roll out with everybody already scattered to the four winds. Like it's you know there's there's some centralization in the planning and the rollout to properly do BYO. 
I have certainly, and Al, I'm interested in hearing this from your perspective, but I have certainly heard a lot of pullback on sec- security-specific spend where companies were like uh, thinking, you know, so we had this budget plan for X and Y project, but times are kind of tough, so we're going to slow roll that into next year. Right. Things like, uh, oddly enough, you know, uh, cloud security consulting and tools and AppSec tools and some of these other things. I, I still talk to companies. I've had three conversations in the past three weeks of companies that do not have a vulnerability management strategy. Like oh, wow. They don't VM. They're like, yeah, well, Microsoft takes care of the OS for us. Um, mm. And uh, everything else seems okay. So, <laughs> and, and look, frankly, when, when the alternative is nothing, uh, I, you know, that, and I think the time is awkward because you've got, they've got to make choices. They've got to make some really careful choices on what they're going to spend the few pennies that they're going to be allowed to spend on. Right. Cause yeah. I mean, the, let's face it, the economy is absolute shit right now. It's, it's, it, when it's starting to impact and our, the articles all over LinkedIn today were about how it's impacting white collar employers, right? Mm-hmm. The, the Accentures of the world, the Merrill's, the, the B, they're all starting to lay off people. It's like, Oh crap, it's cascading on the, it's going up. And so it's not just a, Oh, restaurants are closed. The service industry is going to hell. And, 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 you know, but like it's cascading up. Yeah, there was a secondary effect I think we all kind of predicted, right? I mean, any any business that relies on business for its business, if that's not too much business in one businessy sentence, um, you know, the first business to take the hit passes that on to that business that relies on business. Yeah. So so if there's a wave of pick your random stuff, some retail over here and some hospitality over there and some airline over there, and there's another business who makes their money off of doing business with retail and airline and hospitality, it's it's that secondary wave, right? We all... We all predicted a secondary wave would happen. I think I think there's plenty of folks that were like, "Yeah, this is coming." So it's not surprising to see it. Um, but as to your original question, like what's happening with the security budgets? Interestingly, I have not been talking to people whose security budgets have been getting cut, huh. and I think it's because COVID is so scary, right? Not not COVID the virus, but the COVID situation and everybody working from home and all this. You know, suddenly your workforce scattered to the four winds. A cogent argument from a CISO to explain, okay, COVID hit, here's the reality, here's the things that are going on, here's what's scattered. If we don't get, you know, whatever, start picking your tech, you know, if we don't get a, a strong sassy play, if we don't get a, you know, beefed up VDI infrastructure, whatever it might be, um, you know, we're going to be in trouble. And I think, I think everybody upstairs that I'm talking to seems to recognize that, yeah, okay, we probably actually need a little more and not a little less security spend because of all this. Now, our budget's getting cut and a slashing happening and all that. Sure, I've got plenty of folks I'm talking to that are starting to tell me things are happening that direction. But so far, security specifically, I'm not seeing actually taking a hit yet. All right, so that may be an effect of the fact that I'm a little down market from you, right? I'm, I, my day job is in the mid, mid, enter, mid to level, uh, mid to small enterprise. Um, and you're probably higher up in that in that uh, enterprise side. So at the smaller, so and this may be that business that does business with business, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'm a lot of the companies that were smaller that aren't in the Fortune 500. Yeah, got nailed early uh, because they, their the impact to a smaller company in, in some of this was I think larger to uh, because they couldn't absorb it, right? They didn't have you know 100 million dollars in cash sitting around they could just repurpose. Um, and there's not that liquidity there. And then, so 
I, I think they're starting this stuff. So while they're trying to, uh, they're still trying to like modernization efforts are largely put on hold in favor of projects that are that are sustain us through this thing, as mm-hmm. opposed to like lead us forward. So the projects that 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 get shelved and it's always temporarily you know postponed. Of course, of course. Yeah, are are the like well we were going to revamp our AWS infrastructure, uh, our strategy, but we're just going to do things the way we're doing them now because it's not broken and this is other piece of the business called keeping it afloat that needs right, that right. needs the attention so that money's getting sure. diverted and security has been, I don't know, the mid market security has always been a luxury. I mean it's yeah. I, I hate saying that but it's sadly true. Yeah, well, and I'm sitting here thinking though, because my CISO community, right? I mean, it's not just you know, I've got I've got my clients and my contacts, but I've got all my CISO buddies too, and most of them honestly are Bay Area high tech, okay, you know, smaller outfits, and so far nobody's coming to me saying, oh, my budgets are getting slashed, but but I think I think yes. the high tech space probably recognizes the value of security as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> more more than more than some might, right? I mean, I've and we've all been there. I've worked for high tech too. Um, but uh, but I think so. So far, I'm not I'm not hearing about security budgets getting slashed. But I also think we haven't seen the worst of it either. Yeah. You know, six months from now, <laughs> let's have another conversation because I, I strongly suspect we're going down, not up from here. Just yeah. overall, the whole economy. I don't. It's not like somebody's snapping their magic COVID fingers and come January, everything's hunky dory again. I mean, even That's if not even if happen. yeah, even if magically tomorrow they had a. Uh, Consequently, tomorrow's election day. Uh, even if tomorrow they had a uh, magical vaccine that could, you know, you still got distribution times, you still got, you know, more testing and all that. I mean, we're not just gonna. And, and as you were saying, there's plenty of companies that are saying, you know, we're just never gonna go back to the way it used to be. Uh, I'm hearing a lot of companies getting really shy about business travel going into the future because one, they see it as a risk. Uh, and two, it's like, well, we've been doing okay with these Zoom meetings and Microsoft Teams and Google Hangouts or you know whatever else yeah. there is out there. And I mean, it it's kind of working. So yeah, you know. So so I think in conclusion, we're divesting from razor companies. We're investing in sweatpants. We're divesting from travel. And we're divesting from commercial real estate. Is that our is that our current run? <laughs> Man, I'm not not to, not to make light of this because this is impacting a lot of people that I know. But commercial real estate is getting absolutely gutted. Yeah, I, mean, I can believe it. I, uh, I haven't looked. I just I just figured. I haven't looked. I mean, how many more Amazon warehouses can they build in these malls? Like I haven't. I've driven. I keep driving past. Uh, I you know I I occasionally would go see a movie every once in a while, but I've driven past movie theaters that I know haven't been haven't seen a human inside in in months and months and months. Mm-hmm. It's like well, uh, I mean, listen, it's forcing. Part of this is like, I, I again I don't want to make light of this because it's a tragic situation, but it's kind of forcing our economy and our way of doing business to change which is taking security and putting it closer to the fore because, you know, when you look at a, let's take a movie theater, for example, right? I mean, yes, they had the need for cybersecurity for their back end operations, but I mean, how much really did they need? Right. I mean, what's, what's the high risk there having content stolen? All right, fine. Digitally anyway, or credit cards stolen. The, the ever, ever uh, present uh, big scary monster uh, that isn't, but, now, as as we move to streaming flat platforms, you know, people streaming from home to their mobile devices, 
right? Netflix, Disney Plus, uh, Amazon Prime, and 75. But not Quibi, because Quibi's dead. <laughs> oh. oh, Meg Whitman. Um, and how, how, how bad does that destroy us, though? You know, we went from having, like, one cable provider. You know, you had, like, AT&T or Comcast or DirecTV or something like that. Now... You've got 50 different providers. You know, you move to one. Like, I moved to YouTube TV to save money, and now I have YouTube TV, Netflix, Disney Plus, Amazon Prime. Prime. Like, I yeah. have more streaming. Time. I have HBO Max now. Like, what in the heck is going on? Yeah. But see, all of them but, but all of them need good security because these are now streaming content. You can capture that content. You can hack it. I mean, if you hack it, they'd go out of business. Like, so, oh, no, wait. <laughs> So, but here's a, here's what I'm curious about. You know, when you think about budgets potentially going down or people trying to make that decision, do I do security or I, or I do something that pays my bills? Because we've often fought for what's, what's the return of, you know, from security. You know, are people in a time like this, we're forced into work from home, lots of places weren't ready for it. Is there kind of this assumption that, you know what, if we get popped during this time, maybe we'll have a little bit more leniency put on us because... Nobody was seeing this coming, you know, like, look, I got to stay afloat. I, I can't dump three times my budget into security to try to set up this work from home thing. Right. Is there, you know, anything like that where people kind of feel like, you know, listen, we're doing the best we can. And if something happens, my answer is going to be I'm doing the best I can. And, and this is what everybody's doing. So it's not like you can say, That's oh, well, Johnny question. over there is doing so much better. That's a really interesting question. I, mean, I immediately thought of GDPR, right? When GDPR first came out, um, the laws were so convoluted and so jacked up and so impossible to interpret and read accurately and consistently that every company threw a lawyer at it. And the lawyer came back scratching his head and going, well, if we do X, Y, and Z, we're probably in compliance. And there was this whole kind of response like that when GDPR first came out. And so a lot of companies began structuring and building these good enough paradigms where it's like, okay, we did X, we did Y, we laid this foundation, we added these passwords, we added this crypto, and if they come after us for GDPR at this point, dude, look at all we did. Come on, we, we did good enough, right? Like, like, be cool, don't bust us, right? And, and I think a lot of people were literally building GDPR strategies around the be cool, don't bust us uh, paradigm. Uh, we, we did our best. Look at us showing due diligence. Be cool, don't bust us, right? And, and you're almost asking the same question with COVID, Right. Right. Like if, if somebody gets popped now, it's like, hey, man, we did this. We did that. We did the other. Be cool. Don't bust us. <laughs> you, know? you know, I just I just want but I bought that home router so I could set up RDV back into my business or my VPN. And they're like, right. well, why didn't you get, you know, enterprise? Great. They're all sold out. Everybody's working from home. I'm doing the best right. I can. Right. You know, right. or why are users working on computers that have virus? I'm I, doing the best I can. <laughs> I, I guess I guess the difference between the two models is with GDPR, it's one set of governing body that you're really talking to and you can show due diligence and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And the laws are still getting interpreted, but with COVID in general, like who are you making that appeal to exactly? Right. Your show, your shareholders. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, well, consequently though, <laughs> consequently though, that I think on the flip side of that coin, Al, maybe that's, maybe now it's easier to make the case like, Hey, we're doing good enough because look at the rest of the industry. It's down here. We're, we've cleared that bar and added a little bit more, right? Because you know, yeah. I'm not a lawyer, but I, I, I kind of <laughs> wish I had Sean Tuma on speed dial. And I could just call him. I do, but he wouldn't answer. He's busy. But uh, having that 
because it's all subjective. It's all it's all yeah. being able to show you did the best you could. You did, you know, whatever the the whatever is defensible in the court of law. And is is that going to be more or less lenient, or the court of public opinion going to be more or less lenient given the fact that we're all stretched to our maximum right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's you know there's I'm a big believer in security performance management. I'm a I'm a believer in the idea that you can actually put your dollars on the table build your security and come back and say, these dollars got me this much security, which solved this much risk. Give me these dollars. I'll give you more security, which will solve more risk and have that conversation. I believe that is measurable and quantifiable. There are those who think I am completely full of it for believing that. And I know a guy whose entire security practice is based not on trying to calculate and cost out your specific risk and your specific security spend and contouring, you know, contrasting the two numbers. His entire practice is built on what is your maturity curve versus the rest of your industry? And what are these dollars get you to offset that per, that perspective? His entire consultancy is based on that one principle thought right there that you will never truly measure and capture and contain and know your internal dollars and know your risk expressed in terms of dollars. But you can always compare yourself to the rest of your industry and you can demonstrate, I spent X and I got myself way up here and the industry as a whole was way down there. I'm free and clear. Well, that goes to the GTPR thing, right? I mean, you know, you're you're checking that box to be able to say, hey, what are your peers doing? Mm -hmm. Are you doing that and maybe even better than yes? It's it's defensible. I'm covered, right? I mean, it's defensible, but I but I'm a big believer in you can accurately measure. Like like I said, I'm a security performance management guy. I think you can do it. I think you can measure your stuff, control your stuff, manage it, demonstrate it, and knock it down and whittle it down by showing the spends and showing the risk mitigated. So, but it's interesting that there's whole consultancies built around that other paradigm, right? It's not, it's, it's I not. I bet they're not starving for work. No, they're not. They're not. They're doing quite well. He's hiring <laughs> in these COVID times. Right. Well, listen, if, if, if there are companies in security space and, and, and IT space that are hiring. There's companies all over the place that are hiring. But it's interesting to, to note where the hiring is is important. Like the things that, I personally think that this this economy, this this sort of ugly wave of, of catastrophe is exposed is that operations, like the ops, sec ops stuff that every mid-market company wanted to go do themselves. Mm-hmm. And I've met a bunch of CISOs that are like, I don't care. I don't need any providers. I'm just going to build this all myself with, you know, you're like, okay, cool. Good luck. You, you're here to build a resume. Got it. That's okay. We'll talk later. Uh, but I think a lot of that Fortune 501 down my understanding, and I'm a, not just because I work for a provider, but my my actual belief and the reason I, I, I went to work for a provider is that there's absolutely no reason you should be doing your own psych ops anymore, a vast yeah. majority of it, right? Because, one, it's expensive to set up, to manage, to maintain, and to modernize and keep modernized. And in a time like this, you've got security budget better spent because though there are companies in the provider space that can do it. Now, I get it. Most MSS fees suck. But there are companies that, can, that that's all they specialize in. So, you know, it, it's kind of like, um, you know, when I was young and naive and joined GE back in the day in, the, in security, it's like, wow, we don't, you know, GE doesn't do anything. Uh, no IT is done in-house. It's all contractors. They're like, yeah, because, you know, our expertise is in is building, wind, you know, maintaining wind turbines and building making plastics and light bulbs and this and that's like security is not a thing or it is just not a thing we do we like so we leave it to the experts and i i think that's the case to be made 
right now, if you look at the entire mid-market, even creeping up into the smaller enterprises, uh, and then maybe you know Fortune 5, 4, and 300s, is you look at where they're struggling, right? You've got the confluence of uh, the, the talent shortage that we've already been talking about, high salaries, right? Now companies are operating off of razor-thin margins because the economy is dropped mm-hmm. off the face of the you know table and they need to cut so i think that's a logical place to do it i, I think the next big wave is gonna you know we're gonna i hope we don't see the same outsourcing offshoring wave and i'm doing air quotes for those of you guys who can't see me uh that we saw in the early 2000s i, I pray to god we don't repeat that but a, right. ver- a, a same variation of that alan thoughts on that it's it's valid it's an absolutely valid model. I mean, my, my day job wouldn't exist if it wasn't for companies recognizing like, hey, there's people that are better at this IT stuff than we are. Why don't we just bring them in and let them do it? Right. I mean, that's my day job, right? That's, that's, that's where, that's where my, uh, my daily salary comes from. Um, it's a valid model for sure. I mean, you're not going to find me arguing with that model. And I think specifically to SecOps, you're right. I, I think there's, you know, it's one thing to say, manage my on-prem infrastructure, because I don't have the expertise and the skills to do that. It's another thing to say, uh, help me with my digital transformation. It's another thing to say, help me with my journey to cloud. But if you've actually got a SecOps pipeline, then you're in a little more interesting place there because you are more aligned with the technology on your own. You know, why do you need a SecOps pipeline? It's really, let's, let's step back and ask that question first. Like, like, why do you need SecOps? What, why do you need DevOps? Why do you need, what are you doing with the word ops on it and why? And the odds are it's because of an internal something that they're wanting to pull off, right? Like, like it's not core to the business. It's some kind of internal something they're wanting to pull off. And again, outsource it makes perfect sense. There's people that this is all they do. There's, there's SecOps people, there's DevOps people, there's DevSecOps people, there's CloudOps people, there's, you know, there's folks that this is all they do. This is what they do. And to your point, they're already hired and working for these companies over here. You're going to try to compete. You know, you can either be one of the thousand companies trying to hire the four guys, or you can go to the one company that's already hired the four guys and say, that's, that's exactly it. Bring, bring your four guys over here for six months. Let's leverage their expertise. And then once it's humming and running, I don't need four guys. Oh, oh, I can just you know, the case, have you guys maintain and be done. Look, the case for the outsource sock has never been stronger. I, I it, mm-hmm. it's just, I, yes, there's a lot to get right there. Please, you know, don't misunderstand. There's a lot that needs to be fixed and a lot to get right. Because again, a lot of MSSPs just flat suck. But it, I think the alternative is you doing yourself poorly. And we all know the value curve t- between the time you buy your SIM and you get value out of it is, you know, is hilariously bad and long. And if you can get value quickly, if you can find a company that understands how to get you value quickly in in, in, this, in the terms of a SOC and operationalizing your technology, then you're ahead of the game because uh, for, I think, a reasonable spend, the co- if you've got, let's, let's look at it this way, if you've got, you know, 10 people in your, that you're planning on putting in your SOC, I think for the cost of five of them, you could probably outsource the thing, mm-hmm. right? And then spend your money where it's more wisely spent. Uh, on 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 the parts that you can outsource, and that is the actually sitting to get sitting with the business every day, helping them make smart technology decisions, build better products, that kind of thing, as opposed to like watching screens and dashboards float by. Right, 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 right. Yeah, no, sock outsourcing is for sure a, a, an easy one. I think um, e- easier even you know than some of this cloud ops and sec ops and everything else we're talking about. Like it, yeah. it, it all depends on how how big you know when you say ops is a loaded term. How how big an ops are you talking about? 
if it's just sock and you want to outsource just sock, go with a bunch of SaaS vendors to begin with and feed it all into a into a into a mom and pop or a you know find find some some MSP or MDR who doesn't suck right. And there's plenty of us out there that don't. Uh, uh-huh. I said us. I'm uh, my company does that too. Um, <laughs> Guilty. We, um, you know, get get an ex get an EDR solution. Get a SASE solution. Get a secure management solution. Make sure they're all cloud based. Now all you're doing is pointing that to one other cloud entity, and you're saying, okay, there, over there, monitor that. You guys cover tier one and tier two, and I'll have one dude that responds. That's exactly you know? it. That's, that's Boom, right. done. Yeah. Everything's cloud-based. Everything's hosted. And it, it ties completely back into the conversation we just had at the beginning of this all this work-from-home shenanigans and nonsense. If you've, got a, if you've got SASE, you've got EDR, you've got secure management, all three are cloud-based, yeah. and all three are feeding a cloud-based SIM, what else do you need for your work from home population? You're pretty much there. Yeah. You can I'm read, sure. you can push, you can write, you can check, you can, you know, assess health, push, push health if health is not there. You can block the malware and you can monitor all of it through a single central console and all of that's cloud based. And none of that even requires that they're connected to the mothership. That's the brilliant part. That's yeah. I can I can already see here. So what we need to do is uh sweatpants are in, but they have to say sassy on the bottom. Sassy. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and we need, we're going to start shipping them to the employees. There we go. S-A-S-E. <laughs> oh, man. But no, I, I think that's <laughs> sweatpants aside, James. I think that's a that's that's the that's the big revolution is we've seen that the push to uh, software as a service security uh, mm-hmm. tools um, happening quite a bit more. But now you've got this whole for years security as a service in the last two or three years security as a service has been a i promise we're a thing like listen to me this is actually a thing and and now we're realizing yeah that's a thing right it's, you, it's you really actually, a thing yeah and and i think that that's that's the realization and and I, you know I, I know a lot of the organizations we talk to and probably much like yours are looking for ways to survive uh to continue to innovate without having to go spend more uh, also don't want to be the ones that put their you know uh, intellectual property or customers in, in you know in danger uh, by being negligent but these are these are some interesting times to be navigating and i wonder how many companies take this opportunity how many innovative cso's there are out there there are that take this opportunity completely reinvent their security program and yeah, go I- off-prem for everything. I know folks going through exactly that revolution as we speak, um, and partially because I'm poking them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm helping. I'm helping people do this. We've we've done it internally. We've done it, and I'm helping clients and customers do it. You know, th- this idea. You know, it's funny because cloud first hit, and when cloud very first hit, every security guy in the world kind of went, you know, oh my god, you want to put my stuff where? You want to? Oh my god, how am I ever gonna ever gonna? You know, and now the irony is, is that it's no it's no longer even a conversation about is cloud secure or is cloud not secure. It's it's a question of is security cloud or is security not cloud? Right. It's completely inverted. And, and the answer is if it's cloud based, if it's truly cloud based, it's real time. It runs anywhere. There's all of these benefits to it. And if you can get out of that old on prem thinking, there are so many benefits to a cloud based security stack. It, it's just it's it's tremendously beneficial. And to your point, there's a massive cost savings there too. Throw in a good UEBA. Holy cow! You, you you can automate 90% of your security through the cloud. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. 
it's 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 a it's like a it's a forced revolution. We've we've been talking about it for a long time that it's got to happen, it's got to happen, it's got to happen, it's got to happen. Now it's like, well, it can happen, or you can choose to simply watch the ship steam away as you as you stand on the on the uh, you know on the on the dock there and go, wow, I should have been on that ship. Because right. I, I think I think a lot of us saw cloud as an opportunity to get out of head and in front of some of the mistakes we made security and then took entirely too much time to, to figure out what we wanted to do with it and the boat left yep and and, it, and and we you know we're in our dinghy trying to catch up and i think now is another inflection point um i think we're, we're at an inflection john steven just had him on the podcast he's talking about like this isn't this isn't a point where you know james you and i talked about this a bunch of times but john uh you know security guy shows up says, hey, uh, developers, this is what you should be doing. I checked your app and it sucks and go fix your problems. Developers like, right. yeah, no thanks. None of that anymore, right? Security either lives in the discipline. It's not going to be a I, – I think that's the other thing, uh, Alan. I think, I think we're going to see the, the shrinking of the security discipline from giant security teams down to embedded security teams and mm-hmm. the actual standalone uh, cybersecurity team as a governance function. Yep. No, I, I, I'm a big believer. And, and you, you know, the, the one thing that we were talking about, there, our list of what we're investing and divesting, invest in identity and access management, because that's yes. at the core of all of this, right? That's at the core of everything we talked about. If it's going to be cloud-based and it's going to touch the endpoints, if it's going to be part of the CICD pipeline, if it's going to be the endpoints, the desktops, the whatever, the what little on-prem is left, et cetera, et cetera, identity is at the core of all of it. And then from there, you are definitely embedding. I'm a big believer in DevSecOps is dead. Quit even using that term. It doesn't need to be there. Thank you. Solidarity, brother. DevSecOps is not a thing. It's not a thing and never should have been. It should only be DevOps and it should only be secure DevOps. If you are tracking the humans through the process, if you are tracking the code through the process, if you are putting all the automated hooks in place and just a tiny call out to manual occasionally for certain things, you should be able to streamline, improve, tremendously accelerate the delivery of code to the end result, and at the same time be more secure. It doesn't take a special DevSecOps effort. It doesn't take a special name. It doesn't take a, take a special classification. This is just doable, and it's doable through the embedded paradigm. So, it, right, and, and it. it ties into exactly what we were talking about with the endpoints, right? It, yep. It's there's a whole new way of thinking about security. It needs to, first of all, the perimeter's dead. Just quit even using the word perimeter. Forget it, right? There's the world. And the world is going to generate a couple of things. It's going to generate people, and it's going to generate tasks, and it's going to generate code. And your security paradigm needs to be prepared to live anywhere and process all three of those things. Well, James, I, before anybody says anything else, that's it. That's the end of the show. Alan's got the final word. <laughs> that's a great way to end it, man. Like we, I wish we would apply it. Like I could have, could not have planned that better. Well, well done. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, interesting journey through that one. I uh, maybe we do get together. Uh, let's see, it's November, so January. Month. Let's let's get back together like uh, March, April, which will be a year from when the crazy really went full bore mm-hmm. and uh see sort of where where we end up because I, I i i suspect you're right it's gonna it's not gonna get it's not gonna get bettered the next six months are gonna get are gonna be a ride down before anybody sees anything start to tick up as uh as dennis uh dennis leary once said uh life sucks get a helmet 
It's about to get rough. <laughs> there it All is. Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we've seen the end of it. I think it gets worse before it gets better. I do. Um, and and it's yeah, it's interesting. It's been. I, I guess really the theme of this show is it's a forcing function. Yeah, we're we're seeing a lot of entities, you know, suck it up and come up with whole new security paradigms as a result of this. And hopefully, hopefully. It's not the folks going through what you described for some, you know, people getting their budget slashed. It's like, you know what, if you're going to cut my budget, then I'm going to get clever. Yeah. And I'm going to start embracing this work from home thing on purpose, not just as a, as a reactionary result of it, COVID. And, yeah. and I think even with the budgets getting cut, people can clever their way through this and actually end up more secure and, and distributed. I think so too. I think John was right. I think you're right. You know, we've got uh, we've got that, that that revolution, that inflection point security right now. So folks, pay attention because it is happening with or without your permission, and uh, you can be with it or you can be left behind. So, all right. On that ominous note, it's time to end this show. I want to thank uh, Alan for dropping by and spending some uh, pre-dinner time with us, James. As always, good to have you aboard. Always a good time. And on to the next one then. All right, folks, thanks for listening. This has been another Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. We'll catch you another time, another place. Ciao for now. As we fade out on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole episode, we'd like to encourage you to chat with our hosts and guests using the Twitter hashtag PoundDTSR. Please check out the show notes, catch up on any episodes you may have missed, and subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. Our website is whiterabbit.net, W-H-1-T-3-R-A-B-B-I-T.net. So on behalf of Rafal, James, for now it's goodbye. We'll see you soon on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast.